Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here in the room today. Those of you watching online, we're honored that you took time out of your crazy, busy schedules. You're like, Mike, I didn't have anything. Let me think you were busy, all right? And so, but we're really glad you're here. So do me a favor. I want you to take your Bible out, turn to the book of 1 John, or if you've got the app, uh, go to uh, the app today to open up North Star Church, Georgia. If you need to download that, that is the best way to follow along. You can take notes in there, email them to yourself, and it looks, it makes you look like you really know what's up. All right. And so it's, it's just an easy way to guide yourself along. We began this series last week called Culture Proof. So let me set up where we are. Here is John. John that was one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, he was the one that said he was the disciple whom Jesus loved the most. We know he was in the inner circle. We know that on the day that Jesus was crucified, he said, this is my mother and son. The, the relationship there, I want you now to take my mother in and mom, behold your son, John, that was the, the kinship that was between the two of them. So Jesus is resurrected. He spends 40 more days. He goes back to heaven. Well, John, man, starts a mission like the other disciples to make as much of a difference as he could, planting churches and, and moving the gospel forward. Now, John is at the end of his life. John is looking back on the journey, and John is going, hey, there's there's some things going on in our culture and in our society I don't like, and, and now there's a blurring of the lines. People are consulting God, but they're not doing what God says. So look right there in your outline. There's a little thought, and the thought is this. John says there's two ways to tell if God is just a consultant in my life or if I really know him? Do I go to God for direction or do I listen to him for his voice? So in the spring, I work with a high school baseball team. It's a fun little hobby that I have. I work with the pitchers and every now and then a pitcher will be doing something. I'm like, why, why are you doing that? He's like, well, I go to a pitching guy on the side and this is what he's telling me. And here, here's the danger. The danger is you get too many voices in your head. You don't know who to listen to. Whose voice do I trust? Do I trust what my coach is telling me or do I trust what somebody else is telling me? For many of us, we take God and we, we've made him more of a consultant. We look at what he has to say and we're like, well, I'll take that into account. Or do we live our life around the principles that God has for us? And that's what John's talking about. First John Chapter 2, let's read along together. Ready? Here we go. This is, this is like straight up. He just nails it. And by this we know that we have come to knowing if we keep his, what's the next word? Commandments. So he's laid out principles. So God has told us how we can look at our lives to know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him, but he doesn't keep his commandments, he's a liar. He's telling you the truth. If our, what, what John was saying was this, if our walk and our talk are not matching, something's off. So if a person says that they keep his commandments, 
but their life does not show it, well, then they're a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we're in him. Whoever abides in him ought to walk in the same way which Jesus walked. So John makes it really simple. Everybody look up. Remember you had these religious divisions going on back then and they're going, well, Jesus was sort of a spirit and you really, he didn't mean he had to follow everything. What John says, oh, let me, let me make it really clear. If you are gonna say you live in him, then our lives ought to look like Jesus. That's what he's saying. We ought to walk, we ought to love, we ought to do for others like Christ did. Whoever says he's in the light and he hates his brother, oh, he's still in darkness. Because you can't be an enemy of another and be his disciple, you can't. See, back during this time, they didn't have the hatred we have maybe in our society today, but they had it between Jews and Gentiles, and it was deep, deep-seated, and they did not like each other at all. And Jesus was looking at them saying, listen, you cannot be a follower of mine and hate your brother. Whoever says in the light and hates his brother, he's still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness, and here's the picture, has blinded his eyes. Today, he lays out for us, how do you know that you're mine? How does your life look if you follow me? And that's what we're gonna talk about. Would you pray with me? Would you just ask the Lord to help you pull out the mirror this morning? And you tune out all the other voices that are going on in your head and all the other stuff of your weekend and would you ask him that you could hear his voice loud and clear through his word? Would you ask him that? Father, speak to us. You've got something for us today. It's not complicated. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not Something we're going to have to wrestle with to go, I don't understand. God, it's pretty straight up. God, may our lives line up with what you have to say for us. And Father, I give you this time and I thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So John says, if you pull out the mirror and you want to know, do I follow? Ready? Principle number one, I want you to write down. Here's what you gotta know. I'm obeying his commands. So if I am a follower, I am obeying his commands. Listen, not you know his commands, but you obey his. And this is, by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. See, this isn't something that we we rate our intelligence quotient on the Bible. So when you walk in North Star, I don't give you, a, okay, we're gonna have a pop quiz. Everybody clear off and I'm gonna give you and whoever can answer the most questions, you get to sit in the front next week, all right? That's not how it works. How it works spiritually is, the question isn't do I know it? The question is do I do it? That's the question. It's not do I have knowledge of what God has for me, but do I do it? 
we're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about progress. I think sometimes we hear this and we go, well, Mike, I, I, I wanna do things, but sometimes I don't always do what I wanna do. I've got good, in, how many of y'all leave church on Sundays, whether you're in the room, whether you're watching online, and you leave Sunday with the very best of intentions of how you're gonna live out that week? Raise your hand. Some of you are like, I ain't raising my hand. I'm already giving up, all right? And so, but, but we do, we have good intentions. And then the Falcons will play defense and I'm like, oh, dead gummit. All right, and I'll get mad about something. That's the way, it's the way it always works. We're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about progress. So look at these pictures. If you are ever building, how many of y'all have ever built a house from scratch, you watched it come out of the ground, or you renovated a house? Raise your hand, all right? The question is progress not perfection. So if you're watching a house go up, you don't wanna go eight months from now and it looked like it did eight months ago. You wanna see what? Progress. You wanna say, you wanna see things are getting better. So if I were to give you a picture of your life five years ago compared to now, are you making progress spiritually? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves. Am I looking at my life going, I like the direction I'm headed? Because every daily choice will dictate where I end up, correct? My daily choices will dictate where I end up. So I was speaking to those kids earlier. If a kid sits in the bullpen with Coach Eels, who's sitting over here, and I, and says, okay, tell me your goals. Well, in five years, I wanna play Division I baseball, I wanna get a pre-med degree in college, and I'd like to play in the major leagues. Okay, great. Then they don't do their homework, they show up late to practice, and they do no extra work. I can tell by their choices the direction that their life is headed. Because if you wanna achieve these things, then you're doing extra things. Words don't do it. Choices do it, right? That's what John was saying. We're not talking about perfection, but every day I'm making progress. So here's my challenge to you. Every day are you making a step towards the Lord? Because either we're making a step towards the Lord or making a step where? away from the Lord, every day. And that's about perfection. We're talking about progress. Look at what Paul said in Romans. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't wanna do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Do y'all ever find yourself right where Paul was in? Paul was the, Paul was the guy, man, he wrote most of the New Testament. And he's like, I get the struggle, but I'm trying to make progress spiritually. But look at the second part of that. Obeying his commands is about the direction of my life. See, when I put those choices in, they are the direction that I'm headed. Everybody look at me. This book gives you direction for how to make those choices. Just as I was talking about that kid that says, I wanna do these things, but he doesn't make any of the choices. These are the principles 
We can live our life by. So when we leave here today, we're going to pull out, and, and I don't know where you're watching from Atlanta. we got people all over the United States, but here in Kennesaw and Ackworth, we're all going to pull out of here. We're all probably going to head some, somewhere to eat. Well, on the roads as we drive by, we're going to see signs, right? These directional signs tell us what to do, what not to do on that road. We navigate by these signs, Ladies and gentlemen, if I love God, I'm gonna use his word to navigate my life. Does that make sense to everybody? That's what John's saying. You're not gonna listen to the world to navigate it. You're gonna listen to his truth to navigate it. If I obey his commands, it is about the direction of my life. Obedience is, and I want you to write this whole thought down, obedience is the consequence of knowing Jesus. Obedience is the consequence of knowing Jesus, not the thing I do to earn knowing him. Obedience is the consequence of knowing Jesus, meaning I learn to be obedient by being obedient. Not so he'll love me more. He loves me as much today as he's ever gonna love me, and I'm thankful for that. The question is, am I daily walking towards him in obedience? Look at letter, the next letter there. Those who know God obey even when it's inconvenient. Have y'all noticed in life that God does not check your calendar to find out if it's gonna work out well for you? Have y'all noticed that yet? Have you become spiritually mature enough to know that God doesn't go, hey, is next week okay for me to send a little adversity? Have y'all, have y'all noticed that, that, that that's how God, we obey God even when it's inconvenient. There are times in life things come our way we would not choose. But we obey God in spite of what comes our way. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we think, well, I'm gonna follow God when all life lines up. Well, good luck waiting, because it ain't ever all gonna line up. Obeying God even when it's inconvenient. Look at what Isaiah said. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You are never going to understand the ways of God. Here's the word I want you to write down, ready? But you gotta trust them. You gotta trust them. How many parents in the room? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Um, yesterday, eventful day in the Lynch house, my daughter got engaged yesterday. It's a big day, all right, it's a big day. Um, she's 23, met an incredible young man at a church out in Gwinnett, and, and they're getting married. He came over the other week, and ask me permission. Well, what am I supposed to say here, all right? And so anyways, he asked my permission to ask my daughter, and he's a great kid. I wanted to ask his permission to take her. All right, but anyways, that's all. That's not how it works. I didn't do that. And so he asked his permission to uh, marry her. He asked her yesterday, and then we all met over there for lunch. It was great. And she came up and hugged me, which is a weird feeling, right? Kissed me, and she's like, Dad, thank you for everything you've done. Now, that means a lot, because when she was 16, that is not what she was saying to me. When she was 16, Dad, why don't you let me go here? Dad, you don't understand. Dad, that's not fair. Thank you, college students. All right, and so y'all said this. All right, that's not fair. You don't understand. Mary Michael, I was a teenager. That was forever ago. That was hurtful, and now you're really in trouble. All right, and so, yeah, I don't understand. But you know what? I know more than you know, and you gotta trust me. Now, yesterday, she didn't say that. But one time she did. Why? Well, we're the same way with the Lord. 
we only know what we know. We gotta trust him with some of the stuff. If I, as an earthly parent, know things she doesn't know and she's gotta trust me, what does God know that we don't know? Okay, like the beginning and the end? Like 10 years from now, what I need to know? He knows that already. I gotta trust him. Even when it's inconvenient. But look at the second part. Even when it brings pain. Those who know God obey even when it brings temporary pain. Can I tell you a little bit? And this is fine print Christianity. Um, Sometimes pain is your greatest teacher. So when we began the season, began in uh, January, we had a, I do a coaches couples Bible study at my house. So it's all local coaches and their spouses. And so we're going around there. What's your greatest prayer of 2020? So these are the answers. I want to read my Bible more. I want to have a better quiet time. Blah, blah, blah. And we're working our way around the room. And it gets to one of the coaches. He's the youngest coach in the room with his spouse. And he's sitting there and, and he, I said, Daniel, what you got? And he said, I just pray in 2020, I won't pray away adversity because I know in adversity, God teaches me the most. And everybody's like, well, thanks a lot, man. You make us all look stupid, all right? And so that's a great answer, but not an answer most of us would ever give. Why? Because we don't like pain. But pain is how we grow. I could go back in my journey and trace the, probably the depth of pain and I could probably trace down the depth of my walk. Every great character of scripture walked through pain. Jesus himself, Hebrews, look at, look at what it says about Jesus. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him, his father, and he was heard because of his reverence. God heard his prayers, and although he was his son, he was a son, he learned obedience through what he, what's that word? Say it again. We're like, I don't want to say that word. All right, suffered. Sometimes we have to walk through pain to learn. Can I tell you what pain will do? Pain thins out the ranks. I've been asked this question a million times. Mike, when is church going to be back to normal? Like everybody's coming back. There's no, I hate wearing a mask, all right? Nobody's wearing a mask. Everybody's back to normal. We're hugging each other, high five. And when's it going to be? I don't know. Is everybody coming back when it opens up again? I don't know. All I know is we're going to find out who's stuck in when it wasn't easy, right? Who kept watching when it wasn't easy and you could have been out doing a million other things. Pain is part of the process for growth. He gives us, I'm obeying his commands or look at number two, I'm loving others. He said, I'm gonna make this easy. You wanna know that you're following him? You are either gonna obey him and then you are gonna love people. I'm loving others. He makes it super clear. If I do not love others, then it causes questions. Look at what John says. Whoever says he's in the light and he he hates his brother, this is the southern version of what John was saying. He ain't in the light. That's what John's saying. He ain't one of us. You can't hate and love God at the same time. It's impossible. You can't. 
Mike, you don't know what they did to me. Doesn't matter. You can't hate and love God all at the same time. See, those that know God, they trust him to bring about justice. They trust him. There will be some hurts in life that will never be avenged on this side of heaven. And you gotta be okay with that. Mike, I feel responsible to bring justice, not your job. The problem with that is you will spend years working on that and not focused on growing in the Lord. And it will send your spiritual life backwards. And it will harden, it will harden your heart. And, and listen, rightfully so for some of you, there's some justice that needs to be done. It just isn't your doing. Look at the what Paul wrote to Timothy. I love this. Look, look at how Paul says this to Timothy. He said, Alexander the coppersmith, he did me great harm. But the Lord will repay him. I ain't gonna fool with him. I don't know what Alexander, how would you like to be the guy that did Paul harm and we're still reading about it 2,000 years later? Like, I don't know what he did, but it's, it's, it's like forever imprinted. Paul says, it's not my deal, that's God's deal. God will handle our stuff. It's not for us. Why? I'm just gonna tell you, you can't handle it. And I can't handle it. It overtakes our hearts. It destroys us from the inside. See, those that hold on to a grudge, they don't get it. They hold on to a grudge, but the reality is the grudge holds on to them. And this grudge becomes this barrier in our lives we just keep people away with. We just force them out. And it causes spiritual blindness. We hold on to a grudge and we don't get it. John says those that hold on to a grudge are just blind to some things. Look, look at what he, just three, three last little points here. They're blind to how much they've been forgiven. It's amazing. Sometimes the people that hold the biggest grudges have been forgiven the most. They just forgot. Well, you don't know what they did. Yeah, but look at you. Look at what you did. Yeah, well, that's different. Well, yeah, because it was you. Forget how much they've been forgiven. They're blind to the high cost of bitterness. Well, I know bitterness is bad, but if God knew what I went through, remember, bitterness is a poison intended for another that you're drinking yourself. It will destroy you. Health, mental health, spiritual health, physical health. And they're blind to what God wants. Why are they blind to what God wants? Because when we hold a grudge, look, we put blinders over our eyes and we can't see his best. Remember a couple years ago, we were in Haiti and we do a medical clinic while we're in Haiti. And we have a medical doctor, we have dentist, and we have uh, optometrist that are there, <clears throat> and people come in with, I mean, you, you just can't imagine the, 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 the place a lot of these people are in. They've never, never 
seen a doctor. Never seen a doctor. Well, part of my job, I'm the least intelligent person on the trip, all right? And so they, they give me a job. My job's to walk people from point A to point B. I'm like, I want to help with other things. And they're like, you're not qualified, all right? And so you walk them from the triage to whatever doctor they need to go see. Well, there was a day this lady walked in. You'll see her picture here. She was blind. So I, I took her on my arm and I walked her across that courtyard there. If any of you have ever been there, it's, 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 it's not smooth. It's pretty rocky and bumpy. And, but she walked on my arm. And I took her from the triage area to the optometrist. And I'm thinking, she's blind. She's, what, what's going to happen? It's an amazing thing, though. She comes out 30 minutes later with these glasses on and a smile on her face because she could see. You imagine years of blindness then all of a sudden you can see again and the first face you see is mine. All right, that sounds like God. I mean, can we not do better here? I mean, can we not help me out a little bit? But that look on her face, you know what it caused her blindness? Years of age, sun, they just sewn her eyes shut. And her optometrist just peeled back the layers and opened her eyes so she could see. Think of the life she was missing. Her kids, the sunset, the sun coming up. You know what's happened to some of us spiritually? We walked in blind this morning. Life caused it. We can't see anymore. We're like, we're just falling all over ourselves. And John says, God has something more for you. He's got something better for you if you'll access it. Would you pray with me? And right where you're seated this morning, right where you're watching this morning, Jesus asked the Lord, say, is that me? God, I don't know if, God, I don't know if I can see you. Would you just ask him right where you're at, no matter where you're watching from, sitting in the room or sitting on a porch. Would you just say, God, I want to see you clearly. Show me you. And when I lock my eyes on you, I'm gonna walk towards you. Would you just talk to him, would you?